Every single Sunday, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And every single Sunday, as part of that prayer, we say, and lead us not into temptation. We pray it really without thinking, assuming that we are safe, assuming that God would never do such a thing. And yet, that is exactly what God did to Jesus. According to the Gospels, following his baptism, the Spirit led Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, it makes sense to me that Jesus would need some time alone to process what had happened to him at his baptism. You remember that, right? We're told that when Jesus came up out of the water, that suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Anyone might need some time away after experience like that. Time at a nice bed and breakfast, or a comfortable resort, or even a pleasant retreat center. But the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness. Not just to think, not just to ponder, but to be tempted. For 40 days and nights, we are told, Jesus was in that wilderness, wandering from place to place, exposed to the elements, and presumably praying. I say pre presumably because we aren't told much about that time, except that Jesus fasted. In fact, Janet Hunter Hunt wonders if the 40 days before the tempting started were the most challenging part for Jesus in the wilderness. I wonder, she writes, I wonder, she writes, how it was at day 17 when not a whole lot was happening yet, at least not in a way that would have been visible to anyone else, and there was still no end in sight. That time when it must have seemed when God was so very far away. She likens those 40 days to those times when we are waiting for cancer treatment to begin or to find out if the chemotherapy worked. In a beautiful animated video called 40, I encourage it to look, you to look it up on YouTube using the numbers, not the word, the numbers 4040. The artist, a man named Simon Smith, depicts the first days of Jesus' wilderness sojourn as joyful ones. Maybe for the first time since childhood and the last time in his life, Jesus had absolutely no responsibilities. Smith depicts Jesus watching sunsets and moonrises, spying on wild foxes, throwing rocks, delightedly chasing birds, and admiring a tiny flower that emerged after a, a sudden rainstorm. But he also shows the increasing effects of hunger, exhaustion, and loneliness on Jesus. Those 40 days were no picnic. And indeed, in moments of prayer, there must have been times when God seemed very, very far away. Surely, there were also times when Jesus longed to be warm and fed and to be back in Nazareth with his family and friends. Why go through all this? God had claimed him as God's son and named him the Messiah at his baptism. His identity as the Messiah, as God's chosen one, was established before he even had a chance to dry off. So why the wilderness? Why the suffering? Why the temptations? In her sermon, The Wilderness Exam, Barbara Brown Taylor suggests that though Jesus knew he was God's son, 
there were several questions that remained to be answered. How would God's beloved behave? What would he say, do, stand for, oppose? Would God give him special powers or would he make do with the standard human equipment package? No one knew that, perhaps not even Jesus. He had been ordained at the, at the river, but his ministry had not yet begun. There were some things that needed to be settled first, some tests to be passed. And at the end of 40 days and nights of being alone without food, it was time for that testing. Cue the devil. The tempter's first test seems relatively straightforward. If you are the son of God, or since you are the son of God, the Greek words can mean either, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Jesus is famished. And somehow the devil knows, and I suspect Jesus knows too, that Jesus has the power to fill his belly and then some. The temptation is for him to rely, not, not, is not, however, for Jesus to satisfy his hunger. The temptation is for him to rely on himself instead of God, to trust his own ability to provide instead of depending on God to give him his daily bread in God's good time. Jesus passes the test with a response from scripture. It is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The next test requires a field trip to the city of Jerusalem where the tempter places Jesus in a precarious position high on the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the son of God, he says to Jesus, throw yourself down. And to make the challenge stick, he does his own scripture quoting, reminding Jesus of the promise of God's protection in Psalm 91. It's as if he's saying to Jesus, okay, you trust God to feed you? Do you also trust God to protect you, his beloved son, from harm? Jesus just point blank refuses to go there. Again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He will not ask God to prove God's faithfulness. It is Jesus' faithfulness, however, that is at the center of the third test. This time, the devil takes him to a very high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. All this can be yours, he tells Jesus, if you will just kneel before me in worship. This time, Jesus does not simply refuse the bait. He rebukes the tempter, away with you! For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Jesus will not compromise when it comes to submitting himself to God's will and way. Though Matthew makes it sound easy, I have no doubt that every test was difficult. Every test was a struggle for Jesus. It's after all, it's not as though he was simply tempted to eat a, an extra cookie during the fellowship time or to skip a trip to the gym. And as Rachel Keefe notes, Jesus was tempted by bigger things than that, not because he was the Christ, but because he was human. Likewise, Robert Brown Taylor writes, this is the story in which everyone finds out what being the son of God really means. This is the story in which Jesus proves who he is not by seizing power, but by turning it down. 
God's beloved will not practice magic. He will not ask for special protection or seek political power. As much as it may surprise everyone, including him, he will remain human, accepting all the usual risks. The testing on over the angels come and care for Jesus, but this is only a temporary reprieve. The temptations to use his power for his own benefit or to put God to the test and or to take control for himself will be present throughout Jesus' ministry, beginning with the news of John the Baptist's arrest that greets him as soon as he leaves the wilderness and continuing straight through his ministry, even as Judith Joan reminds us, as Jesus hangs on the cross. At the crucifixion, she writes, the passerbys and religious leaders taught him, son of God, prove it, come down from the cross. Doesn't God care enough even to rescue you? But the obedient son trusts God to see him through to the end of the journey. And when he dies, the centurion proclaims, truly, this man was God's son. Gives me goosebumps. We stand at the beginning of another Lent. The temptations that we may face over the next 40 days are hardly the same as those that Jesus faced in the wilderness, but then they are not all that different either. We are tempted, for example, to think that we can manage just fine on our own, especially since most of us can easily afford to buy bread or to bake it if we so choose. When we encounter some difficulty, we try to handle it on our own so that we don't have to bother anyone, or to be more honest, so that we don't have to be in anyone else's debts, let alone God's. And yes, we too are tempted to put God to the test. Surely we think things should be going better for us good church people. We try to make guard bargains with God. If only you will do this for me, I will fill in the blank. And when God doesn't come through in the way that we think God should, we get angry, angry enough to give up on God altogether. Either that or give up on ourselves, because if God doesn't come to help us, then clearly we are not worth helping. And then there is the temptation to gain power, even if it's just a determination to have the last word in a family argument or to hold a bit of gossip over the head of an annoying co-worker. And once we have that power, we don't want to share it. We want things done our way. We are sure that we can fix the problem if only others will listen or go away. We pastors are particularly susceptible to the temptation to play God and the further temptation to see, seek glory by confessing that weakness. Hmm. So how do we deal with such temptations and the many others that we face in our very human existence? Jesus was blessed in that he had time to work things out in the wilderness, but that's not something that most of us are likely to do. And so I would suggest that perhaps the most helpful thing we can do during this season of Lent is to focus on Jesus himself, to read the Gospels and ponder what he said and did, to look at how he dealt with the fact of his humanity and the humanity of others to recognize that being human was something that Jesus chose and that if he chose that being human it must be something worthwhile. To try and see ourselves and other people around us through his eyes and with his heart 
was, was, which was in truth God's own heart of love. Please be aware, however, that in the words of Patrick Wilson, Jesus refuses to be who we want him to be. He will not turn our stones to bread. He will not prove, that, prove God to us. He will not turn from God to embrace the kinds of success that we would recognize and applaud. He remains maddeningly himself. Perhaps it would be more accurate to say that he remains steadfastly God's. Be aware also that focusing on Jesus is risky business. For it just might lead us to change our ways in order to be more like him. In other words, we just might find ourselves repenting. But then there's nothing wrong with that. As long as we are also willing to reject the temptation to beat up on ourselves, and as long as we are willing to accept the forgiveness and the fresh beginning that is ours through Jesus. And while we're at it, we just might listen too. Listen for the whisper that can cut through the seductive voice of temptation, the divine whisper that calls to each one of us, saying, you are my beloved child with whom I am well pleased. May it be so. Amen and amen.